you hadn't been with us for very long and you don't have one of these, there's a few, uh, Ethan, if you'll raise your hand, Ethan will bring you one, but uh, it's our little Ephesians book that we've been using in our study that we're in, and uh, it's a gift to you we want you to have, and we're using it uh, throughout this study. It's got some places to write in uh, for you to take notes and stuff, and just jot down things that the Lord is teaching you uh, in here or otherwise as you just kind of walk through this book with us together. Um, I went to a funeral this week. Uh, some of you were there um, for the father of a young man who went to school with uh, Sydney, graduated with Sydney, and went to school with Nathan um, uh, Wayne Stone. Many of you uh, were taught by him that Brez is Christian. Just thinking about Will today and his siblings and thinking about how different this Father's Day is from probably what they thought it was going to be. Uh, it was in a short span of a week and just how much things changed for them. Um, I lost my dad when I was 21 years old. And uh, I know that for some of you, a day like this can bring up some of that uh, sadness and pain of missing your dad. Um, but I, I really pray that the memories that you have uh, of, of him, if that's you, uh, would bring some kind of supernatural, special joy to you in this moment. Um, also know that some of you don't have great memories of your dad or don't have a great relationship with your father. And uh, I truly hope that you will uh, feel the love uh, in a very uh, profound way from your heavenly father today and every day. Last week in our study in Ephesians, we saw in chapter 4 that uh, God as our Heavenly Father was uh, through all and, uh, and in all. We are all uh, in the same family. We share the same Father. And that's an important theological truth as it relates to unity. It's an important theological truth as it relates to what we're going to talk about today as our Father in heaven has given us uh, good gifts. Let me go back before we get into that, though, uh, just a quick review of where we are in Ephesians. Um, Ephesians is considered to be probably the best thing recorded that we have to describe the church. Uh, Paul writes to churches in a lot of other books and shares important stuff, no doubt, great theology throughout the New Testament for how we're supposed to do church, but probably no other book of the Bible is more important, more uh, expressive of that truth about how the church is supposed to function uh, than Ephesians. So uh, it's great that we are in it uh, for uh, such a time as this, as we try to gather around the idea of who we're supposed to be and in this world, how we're supposed to live. We spent the first three chapters looking at the, the awesomeness of God, the, the, the bigness of God, the, the important theological truths about God. And now in chapter four, we begin a shift toward the rest of the, the book that takes us into more practical expression of that truth in our life. Uh, Ephesus was... Uh, Ephesians was written to uh, not just the 
church in Ephesus, but the churches around Ephesus, the region of Ephesus. Paul spent the most time with any group of believers with the, the, the Ephesian believers. Spent about three years there. He's not there when he's writing this book. He's in prison when he's writing this book. We uh, have looked at that a couple of times. And uh, he has called himself a, uh, a prisoner in Christ. That, that uh, There's nothing that uh, could keep him there uh, if Jesus didn't want him there. So it continues to acknowledge his power and where it's coming from. Uh, last week, we kind of began a little mini-series in the midst of our bigger series uh, in Ephesians that asked the, the question, what does a healthy church look like? And we, the first thing we said was a healthy church is committed to unity. Uh, in fact, this is the first real strong um, command that we get from Paul uh, in Ephesians. He's waited four chapters before he gives us this kind of instruction where he says, you got to do this. He uses the word urge. I urge you uh, to be committed to unity, to be eager to unity. And that word eager, zealous, is another word uh, that could be used there. We looked at one, two, three, five things that uh, would help us to be able to express that unity better. Uh, humility, gentleness, patience, stubborn love, and peacekeeping. And hopefully, if you were here last week or if you listened online, uh, then you are just read knowing that this is where we were, you got a chance to, to put some of that stuff into practice uh, that you were thinking about. Like how can I be, as a part of my family, as a part of the body, uh, a more humble person, a more gentle person, a more patient person, uh, a person that loves uh, in, in a, just a, a stubborn kind of way that I'm not going to give up on uh, people in my life, and that you, would, you were peacekeeping uh, in your efforts this week. Those are things that we have to do. That's, that's what Paul was urging us to do as we effort to be unified as brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, some of you, uh, maybe those of you uh, in this category did not talk to me, but uh, one or two people did. Uh, got to put this into practice with me uh, this week uh, because I uh, was made aware that uh, some of the things that I said may have come across a little harsh last week in the way that I was um, zealous for uh, unity. Um, I spent an extra week in this passage, and I think the... It just kind of started to build up in me, uh, the whole urging and, and being eager and, and zealous for unity. And I went back and listened uh, just to see, you know, what was I doing? What was I saying? And yeah, it was a little, uh, I was a little rough. Uh, I was a little fired up. Uh, I, I get it. Uh, I was not um, as happy uh, about things as maybe I wanted to be. Uh, I'm not sure why. It's coming across maybe a little more uh, intense, and um, I want to say that I'm truly sorry, and I apologize to uh, those who are especially sensitive right now because of some of the recent changes that we're going through in, in church, and I did not mean to come across that way, um, the... the, the uh, 
the harshness was, um, when I looked at it from that perspective and, and listened to it over again, I could see what uh, people were talking about. But uh, I was just fired up, and I absolutely did not mean to communicate that anyone needed to just fall in line or that unity was something easy to come by or that there wasn't the space uh, for people to continue to process and, uh, and get to that place to struggle uh, forward in it. I really wanted to just be able to say that, um, that we need to be so eager for unity that we need to want it so bad that we wouldn't let anything keep us from, from going after it. Nothing. And I really believe that the Spirit will empower us to do that. So, um, yeah. Unfortunately, um, you know, one, one of the things we talked about with patience was, uh, well, w- one, one commentary that I came across this week, I heard call it something different than we talked about last week. He called it long-suffering toward aggravating people. Long, uh, we, uh, we have to have long-suffering toward people that aggravate us. And um, sometimes that's going to be me, unfortunately. Uh, and I, and I, uh, I'm sorry for that. Um, but I'm thankful that as a community of believers that we are committed to that. And the, the person that brought it to my attention uh, was very gracious in their email and uh, really was striving to think the best. And I think that that's a great thing that we need to continue to do for one another. Uh, The church, like no other community in existence, uh, offers that kind of patience for its members. No other place do you get that much grace for one another. Uh, You don't get it in your job. You don't get it in other organizations that you're involved in. There's no reason for you to. There's no motivation there. Uh, We have a different kind of existence together. And it's filled with love and grace. And it's long-suffering. And it just it, it keeps coming. Um, our life in America, uh, in, in our culture, is really in crisis. And uh, we see the, the polarization of people just more and more. Uh, we are increasingly hearing about and talking about what sides of the issues that uh, each of us are on. And we can't help but bring some of that into the church. I mean, we're just inundated with it. It's how things work today. And yet we have to be a people that pushes back on that, uh, pushes back on that a lot because we have an opportunity, maybe like no other time, uh, to show the world a different way, to show the world that, yes, we can come together, uh, that, that people can function in love and in unity, even in spite of the fact that we don't always agree with one another, uh, that, that we can do that. And that's going to be a powerful witness to the world when we do. And the cool thing about it, and what we're going to look at today, is that our unity really comes from our diversity. Our unity really shines forth in our diversity. So let's look at chapter 4, verses 7 through 12, if you've got your uh, book with you or a copy of the scripture. Uh, Would somebody else like to read for us just those verses? Starting in verse 7, but grace, and ending in verse, through verse 12. 
Somebody just stand up and read for us. All right, thanks. Extra verses are good. All right. A healthy church understands and uses its gifts. Uh, Let's pray, and then let's get into that. Father, thank you for um, your continued love for us, your continued uh, forgiveness of uh, the ways in which we fall short of your glory. Thank you for blessing us with the ability to live um, in a community of... uh, brothers and sisters who uh, you have also called out um, and uh, that you also are continuing to pursue and grow and and mold into the likeness of your son. And that we get to do that together, um, that you have uh, ordained for us to be able to to minister and to help one another uh, to do that. We love you and uh, we thank you uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so a healthy church understands and uses its gift. This is the second part of the little mini-series, uh, and the uh, first, first one being uh, that it pursues unity together. So um, James 1.17, one of my favorite verses uh, in the Bible, it says, every good, and, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. God wants to give us gifts. In Matthew uh, chapter 7 if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, and evil being we're, uh, we, we live in, in, the, in sin nature, we're, being, we're born into sin nature, so we're not perfect, um, and we even know how to give good gifts to our children. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? God wants us to know that he, as a father, wants to give good gifts to us. He's all about that. And we, we saw in Ephesians chapter 3, if you turn back a couple of pages, um, Paul said in verse 7 of chapter 3, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given, to, given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given. Paul didn't deserve it. He didn't do anything for it. But God gave it to him, he says, to preach to the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ. The kind of gifts that we're talking about are ministry gifts. Um, there, are, there are lots of different gifts that are talked about in the Bible, but what Paul is speaking of here in, in chapter 4 are ministry gifts, and, and what he referenced in chapter 3. The gift that's given to you to do ministry. And we even said when we were in chapter 3 that getting to do that, that that, that is a gift. Like, we... We should receive that, uh, that we get to do ministry uh, as a gift. And so Paul is um, expressing that there are gifts in the church that we need to understand, that we've been given. We are to be people who serve the church. We're all called to follow Jesus. Talk a lot about calling um, when, when we talk about ministry. I remember when I was 16 years old, in a uh, revival, a youth revival kind of thing, um, I felt the Lord really pressing into me in a way that um, I had to listen. Uh, in, um, and it was very clear in, in my uh, youth. Uh, and I hadn't heard a lot from God uh, in that way in my life up until then, other than 
when I knew that he was saving me, um, that, uh, that in that moment that he was giving me a vision for the fact that he wanted me to, to go into the ministry, uh, what uh, would be vocational ministry, uh, and it was a little more black and white then in the way that they presented it, I think, than um, the way I understand it today, but uh, it definitely was a, there was a sense of this is what I'm made to do, this is what I'm supposed to do with my life, um, and it was specifically youth ministry uh, at that point. I don't think that that is necessarily how it's supposed to happen for everyone. Um, I do think that that does happen, and I do think that that was real for me. But I think that we all, when we understand that we're all ministers of the gospel, then that's when things really work in the church. Uh, that there's not, a, uh, there's not meant to be this huge difference between, uh, and, and this is not from the Bible. It was stuff that the, the church made up somewhat mistakenly, that there is clergy and laity, uh, that there's this big difference between the people that, that do this kind of stuff and everyone else who is just expected to do what? Sit there and listen and give money? Um, there's so much more to how God has made you and wired you. And each one of us is a minister of the gospel. And I don't know where we missed that and got that because that's not at all what Paul is talking about here uh, in chapter 4 or in any places that he talks about uh, spiritual gifts in the body of Christ. Following Jesus means serving. Following Jesus means that we're going to be striving for unity. Uh, following Jesus means that we understand that we, each of us, uh, have been uniquely gifted for something in this world. God is at work. God is working. God does work. And there's no reason to expect that we, as his children, as his followers, aren't going to be expected to do something, to work. Now, it's not a part of our salvation. It's because of our salvation that we've been given this gift. Um, Jesus basically has rescued us. In, in verses 7 through 10, uh, 7 and 8 talk about these gifts that each, each one of us has given uh, a gift, been given a gift according to the measure of Christ. And then it goes into these parentheses in 9 and 10, where basically he's trying to, he's, he's, Paul is always stream of consciousness, and he's just kind of going from place to place. And so I think in this moment, he, he was reminded that, that Jesus came to this earth, that he, he descended from heaven to, for a reason, for uh, a purpose, to uh, rescue us and then went back to heaven after his work was done to commission us uh, to continue to do his work on this earth. He apportioned grace. The Spirit has given ministry grace to each one of us for a reason, for a purpose, uh, and, and for uh, the benefit of the church to one another. Um, 1 Corinthians 12 I guess I don't have it up here. Yeah, I do. There it is. Uh, now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. Kind of reflective of that oneness that we all share from last week. Um, verse 6. 
Um, and there are varieties of service with the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities. But it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another various kinds of tongues. To another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Again, God is doling out these gifts. And there's many of them. This, what we find in Ephesians is not an exhaustive list. We, we don't have an exhaustive list uh, anywhere in Scripture of all the gifts. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 gives us some of these. And we'll see later uh, that, that there, there's some others listed. But the Spirit gives as He sees fit. Uh, and we are promised that we have everything that we need in Him. That in this body... For this time that God has put you guys together, put us all together with everything that we need to be able to minister to it to each other. And so uh, as we continue to look, I just want you to think about, begin to think about, what, what is my gift? And I don't mean that in a, uh, some of you may have been around church long enough that you've taken spiritual gift tests. I'm not saying those things are bad. Uh, and, and they can be helpful, at least a starting point for some conversation. But just doing church together is the real test. And, and really, you know, talking to one another. If, you, if you're not sure, uh, and, and maybe beat the other person to the punch and, and, and offer them some encouragement in how God uses them to minister to you or how you've seen them minister to other people in the body. Uh, but that's, we need to be like in discussion. That's, Calm Group's a great place for this. Uh, your family's a great place for this. Just to be able to talk about, hey, what, how do you think God's put me together? Or um, I'm thinking that God kind of is, you know, leading me to do this. Some of you are discovering this for the first time as you're kind of growing up and into your faith and starting to own your faith in a new way. And that's awesome. Uh, what is that thing? How has God put you together to do ministry in the church? And I'm not talking about like role specific ministry necessarily, like title stuff. Like you don't necessarily have to think in terms, we don't need to like create more committees so that everybody can have a title or something. Uh, you have a specific role in this body. It may never be up here. It may never be uh, recognized in print. Uh, but there, there are things that only you can do. There, some of you like just really need to, to hear this right now. You just really need to believe that wherever your faith is in the Lord, don't, don't discount because you feel like you're not walking with the Lord right now or you're there, that you're a new believer or that you're not very spiritually mature or surely that's for somebody else. Don't miss the profound truth that you have a gift that no one else can express that's for the rest of us, that we desperately need that, and we will benefit from it when you begin to, to flourish in that. So we want to talk about how, how you can do that, how you can begin to, to discover and grow in and use uh, your ministry uh, in the kingdom. A healthy church understands and uses its gift 
The first thing is that we understand that God gave us unique gifts for ministry in the church. And then the next thing in verses 11 and 12, we use the gifts God gave us in unique ministries in the church. We have to, we can't, it's not enough to just like think about like I'm kind of this way or I think I would be good at this. We have to use those gifts. Verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. 1 Peter 4, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. God wants you to steward his grace well. He's given, he's apportioned that gift to you. How are you going to use it? Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. And then in Romans 12, for as in one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us Let us use them. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. A healthy church, not only in its understanding of its gifts, is healthy, but it's healthy when it's actually using its gifts. And we each have different things. And so there's a lot of diversity in this room. There's a lot of different ways that God has put you together uh, through experience, through personality, uh, however you want to, to look at it. That's God has wired you. God has knit you together in a very special way. And you have something to, to offer uh, the rest of his body because of that. We all have the same value. Our roles look different and our responsibilities look different, but there is no difference in the value of one over the other in in this or any other body. We tend to get distorted in that because some of us are up here and in the church, unfortunately, there's been a lot of distortion about the people who are up here and and how uh, celebrity Christianity has taken hold in our culture, in our subculture. And we don't need to be about that at all. Um, We need to always remember, whether we're up here or anywhere else, that we are all of equal value in the Lord. We all have uh, unique and powerful gifts to offer the body. As as he unpacks these particular gifts in verses 11 and 12, uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers... These are not church offices, so these are not titles uh, that we're supposed to have. In fact, in the technical sense, there are no more apostles. Um, An apostle was one who received a a personal commission from the incarnate Jesus Christ. And so uh, none of us in the technical sense could call ourselves apostles. Uh, Apostle can be used as one who is sent. Okay, so in that sense, we do have... Uh, giftings of apostleship that function in the church today. We have been sent, we have been commissioned by Jesus. And all of us fall into that role in in some way or another because we've all been sent on a mission. Um, Prophets, also a technical term. There were were specific 
uh, people given that title of prophet. In uh, we, we see it throughout the Old Testament. Uh, and in our day, uh, in the way that God functions with us in the church, uh, there can still be prophets. Uh, we think of prophets in terms of people who tell the future. That's not exactly how it always had to be uh, for you to be a prophet. A prophet is someone or can be someone who is able to kind of explain uh, the, the word of God. And that word may be coming from scripture. It may be coming in, an, in another form, a, a vision or a dream or something that, that uh, a prophet, a person exercising gifts of prophecy can, uh, can explain that. And... If you're interested in that, uh, Jen Kilzer is going to be leading a seminar uh, in a few weeks that you can sign up for and go to that. So a little plug for for Jen, and she would love to talk to you about that, I'm sure. Um, Evangelist, uh, we're all called to be evangelists. We're all called to to share the good news. Uh, Some people are especially gifted in that. And we need those people. We need need you, if that's you, uh, to remind us and, and keep us focused on the gospel. The, these people are gospelers, uh, basically. They're always pointing us back to how does this relate to the gospel? How are, how are we functioning in the gospel here? Uh, and then the last one is broken up into two in uh, the ESV. Uh, some good scholars, and I, I think I agree with them after looking at this a little more intently, uh, believe that that's really kind of an overlapping um, gift that really should be read as shepherd teachers, that there are shepherds in the church, pastors in the church, uh, people exercising pastoral gifts, but there are some whose giftings cross over and are shepherd teachers that uh, kind of have a unique uh, calling and a unique gifting. So really four things that we're looking at here um, that uh, are not meant to be offices because we're all uh, can be pastors and, and shepherds, and we, ca- we all can be teachers. The saints are the ones that do the work of the ministry, though. And so what Paul tells us in chapter 4 here is that we who lead, who, who are considered leaders in the church, are here to equip the saints, which is you, for the work of the ministry. We are not to hire more people to do the ministry. We are to be better at constantly getting better at equipping. Now, to the extent that we need more people to equip, then we, we utilize that for sure. And we want to always be looking at you know, the, a, a good balance between uh, are, we, are we doing a good job equipping versus just like saying that we're doing ministry. Because there's a constant thing that has to be happening for us to, to be equipped. And there are people that need to be doing that. And these are the specific people that Paul is talking about here in chapter 4. The apostles, uh, the evangelists, the prophets, the, the pastor, teachers, the shepherds. Um, the, the truth that we need to see is that until every one of us is fully using our gifts... Our church has never reached its potential. We won't reach our potential until you, every single one of you that is a Jesus follower, uh, that, that calls himself a part of community church, uh, is, is using 
your gift, the, God, the, the gift that God gave you. That's when things are really going to work for us uh, as we call ourselves a church. The leaders are to equip you. And in this, that sense, they really aren't the leaders. You're the leaders. We're the servants for you leading the way in ministry. And you need to see yourselves accordingly. We are ministry leaders in this world. How can that guy, Scott, or any of those elders, um, how can they help me to do this better? Uh, what, what is it that, um, that they might be able to do? Uh, that, so you're coming to us, you're saying, help me. Anybody that stands here and does this needs to have a strong element of helping you like our, our sermons, our teachings, whether we're doing it uh, at 345 or 445, uh, there has to be that element of we are equipping you to do some kind of ministry. We're, we're, we're propelling you to, to go and do in the world. And so pray for us to get better at that and ask us, use us in that way. Uh, I need some help. I need uh, this in order to be better equipped in my ministry. Can you help me? Can you help me uh, discover my ministry a little better? Uh, can you support me in an ongoing way in my ministry? That's what we need to be about. And the extent that we're not, then please let us know. We need to get better at this. You're the real ministry leaders. Gifts. Uh, one uh, guy that I was listening to talks about how this is, uh, when we're doing this, it's like a thriving ecosystem is the way he described it. That where everything is in this symbiotic relationship where we're working together, we're helping each other, we're, we're fostering this kind of growth uh, in the Lord together. And in that unity of like we're committed to this together, um, that this diversity is flourishing and it's coming back full circle and increasing our unity. It's a really beautiful thing. All right, so as everyone is needed, I'm going to close with this. Um, can I get a couple of people to hand these out? There you go, Luke. Appreciate it, bud. And then Preston, why don't you hand out some pens? Everybody needs a card and a pen, okay? This is our big dramatic closing. You get a note card and a pen, and you're going to write on it. Write your name when you get it. It's not a test. There is no commitment here. Just want you to know that up front. Um, if you uh, aren't a member of this church, it's okay. Um, if, uh, if you're just visiting, maybe you could fill it out and take it back to your church and give to one of the leaders there. Um, but what I want you to do with this is just ask yourself... Uh, couple of questions. How can I serve the church? And, and write that down. How, how You may already be serving. I, I get it, and most of you are. Write that down too. That's okay. Because what I want us to do in the next year, uh, and the emphasis that we're going to have in comm groups this year, is for everyone um, to have a, a, a clear understanding of, of their gift, of their ministry. And we want to help you to do that. Um, and, and so this doesn't have to be about like, uh, you know, there's a job to do. And so I think I could do that. Now that's great. Um, I asked for help with the newsletter a couple of weeks ago and got a quick response to that. You didn't get a newsletter this week. 
uh, because we're still in the interim phase and that has fallen on me. Uh, so uh, case in point, well, we need everyone. Um, but Elisa's uh, uh, going to do that um, orcharding uh, in the future. Uh, but it doesn't have to be about one of those kind of job things. It's like, how this is how I'm wired. Like, I'm an artist. Like, I, I think I could, like, draw some stuff for the church. Like, I could... Could you use that? Could we? Could, could that be helpful in some way? Or I, I know how to do stuff with websites. Or um, I, uh, I just really feel like God's wired me to just listen to people, just sit with people and pray, pray with them maybe. Um, or maybe you know, I don't have time to to meet with anybody, but um, but I'm passionate about praying for people. And if I knew more about, like, opportunities to pray, I would be doing that. So plug me into that somehow. Let's, let's do more of that. Uh, whatever it is, just how do you think God's wired you? Like, for what kind of ministry? Because it's for the church. Now, there are, definitely there's ministries outside the church, but what we're talking about it is, is the church needs ministry to itself in order to be the healthiest version to be able to represent Jesus in the world. So how can I serve the church, and how do I need support in order to better serve? Maybe you're serving already, or maybe you already, uh, you know, are, are in some kind of ministry, but we don't really know about it. Uh, maybe it's something, you know, that you're, you're doing, um, and you need some support uh, for that. Uh, maybe it's education, maybe it's prayer, maybe it's just somebody to talk to uh, about that. How could the church, how could its leaders better support you in uh, whatever ministry that you feel called to or that you feel wired to? And again, you don't have to like feel called to. I, uh, I don't want to overemphasize that. Uh, you certainly can be. But uh, just the whole idea of like what you know about yourself. This is, this is who you are. I'm asking you to do this right now. I know I could have sent it out uh, in an email, uh, Google form thing and had you fill it out, but I know half of you wouldn't do it, so... I'm making you do this with our time right now. Um, please finish that up and leave it in the, the box in the back or just leave it on your chair and we'll pick it up um, because I want to know this stuff and I want us to get better at what we're doing um, because I think that's when real growth, real life is going to happen uh, in this area. Paul Tripp said this, God... Let me read you the whole thing, because I didn't put the whole thing up there. Your life is much bigger than your job. Your life is much bigger than an understanding spouse or having non-delinquent kids. It is bigger than beautiful gardens, nice vacations, and fashionable clothes. In reality, you are part of something immense, something that began before you were born and will continue after you die. God is rescuing fallen humanity, transporting them into his kingdom, and progressively changing them into his likeness. And he wants you to be a part of it. And he's gifted you to be. Let's continue to discover, use, and share our gifts with one another for the, the building up of the body uh, for the glory of God. We're going to share the Lord's Supper together. Um, servers want to grab that and come on up. Also another very unifying thing 
that we come together to take um, the elements and then we walk away to do something with that in our life. Um, so receive um, God's grace, the reminder of God's grace, the reminder of the, the act of Jesus on the cross. And as you receive it today, the bread and the cup, the body and the blood of Jesus, um, be reminded that he's given you gifts, that he's given you gifts to minister to one another in the church. And let's celebrate that together. Servers come and you come and receive from the Lord.